Hi there and welcome to the Book Realities Podcast, a series of interviews with independently minded authors where we explore their books, their writing techniques, and what made them become a writer in the first place. I'm your host, Ian Hooper, and as well as being an independent author, I also run the Book Reality Experience. Hi everybody and welcome to this latest in the episodes of Book Realities, our interviews with authors series. And today we're joined by Josh Barry, author of Beyond the Title, The Yearbook. And I'm really excited to be interviewing Josh because I first edited Josh's biography that he had written a book called Adapted. Uh, Josh has got cerebral palsy and he's assisted by his carer Ian who will be interpreting for Josh and what will happen in this particular interview um, I'll ask Josh questions and then we'll fade Josh's voice in and out and so that we can carry on with the interview and Josh is quite happy that we do that. Josh a really great thing to be able to talk to you face to face because we've worked for so long on emails back and forward when I'd edited or helped to edit your biography and of course then we published Beyond the Yearbook or Beyond the Title rather so it's great to be able to finally see you. Yeah. Yeah it's great to put a face to the name. I know and I'm much more handsome than in real life. He is too. (laughs) Now what I want to really get into um, apart from the fact that you write on an iPad with your nose, which just amazes me at your dedication and skill. Why have you got this fascination for BBC and British entertainment in general, but light entertainment from the 50s, 60s, 70s and 80s? What on earth captured your imagination about that? It was just when I was younger, I couldn't really do what the other kids were doing. So TV was something that I could just enjoy and do on my own. You've interviewed absolute icons of this. How did you feel when you were doing your first interview on a scale of one to ten, nervousness wise? And who was it with? <laughs> yeah, I didn't start a little by looking back. It does make me laugh who my first interview was. It was with Ray Galton and Alan Simpson. You you started your interviewing career with Galton and Simpson, two of the greatest <laughs> script writers, comedy writers in British history. <laughs> yeah, so I didn't start little, and it was uh, to how towards a project I was doing at uni at the time. Only <laughs> I was writing a biographical drama on Bill Cotton. <laughs> so I, I'd written a lot of questions about Bill Cotton's leadership. And it became quite um, obvious early on that they didn't really know anything about it. <laughs> so I knew I just wasn't going to waste this massive opportunity I had to interview the biggest double that's most important in TV history. <laughs> so my uh, tutor at the time gave me some dodgy looks when I started going off beast. We should probably point out to anybody watching this that you didn't just stumble upon Galton Simpson you'd actually grown up on the Isle of Wight but then you'd gone to university to study what in particular? I did a BA in script writing so uh, towards the end of my BA um, I was told that they were creating a new course an MA course 
And uh, then I was asked, uh, what else do I want to learn? And I said, I want to learn more about the industry itself. So this brand new MA that they created was called Writing for the Media. It was made up of uh, how to write in many different styles, uh, like including radio comedy. Within that, did, did it teach you how to come up with some superb questions? Because I've read your Beyond the Title yearbook and some of the things that have been said by numerous of your interviewees is that you ask really, really pertinent questions that they've never been asked before or that they find really interesting. And we're talking from the Galton Simpsons through to the Ben Eltons through to the modern day comedians as well. Um, how, how did you discover this knack for question writing? It just goes back to uh, watching hours and hours and hours of TV when I was younger. And just being interested in the story of British comedy. Yeah, so I just wanted to know about British comedy and all the programmes and each of the stars within those programmes. Who was your comedy hero? Who did you most want to interview? So to start off with, it was Bob Monkhouse. I just loved what he did. But then as soon as I got to a certain age and realised what I wanted to do with my career, um, he had already died. So I never thought I'd ever be friends with his main joke writer, Colin Edmonds. <laughs> and now he's jumped on the bandwagon of having his own podcast as well. You ended up, though, your book has a foreword, which was written by a, a lesser known type of comedy gag writer. And how many times did you interview Barry Cryer? I think it was about four times. That must have been quite a thrill because, I mean, Barry Cryer to me was the god of comedy writing in the UK from the 1960s forward. He worked on programmes. He did work on That Was The Week That Was all the way through um, the two Ronnies, etc, etc. For a person interested in writing like yourself, it must have been quite the thrill to interview him <laughs> once, let alone four times. Uh, uh, I think he's up there with uh, being as one of the most important people ever in British entertainment. And how good was it that he wrote the foreword for your book? I mean, did you go after him and ask him specifically, thinking he'd probably say no, or did you have a, a fair bet he would write it? He did say no the first time I asked. <laughs> yeah, so then uh, he put the phone down, and then I thought, who am I going to get, get to write the foreword? Then... The next day, I got another phone call, and lo and behold, it's, it's him. Barry Cryer called him back, and he said, sorry, I'm a fool. Of course I'll do it. <laughs> Brilliant. Now, let's talk some statistics. From the Galton Simpson, how many interviews have you conducted with entertainment greats? I think it must be over 500. Wow. And the obvious question... Who's been your favourite? Uh, that's, really that's a really hard question. Mm -hmm. Because I interview so many different types of people through the whole breadth of entertainment, it's really hard to pick one. I, will, I, won't, I won't press you to pick one. Um, but what I do want to talk about is people will be watching this and because of mainstream entertainment and because of cerebral palsy is much more in the visible to standard society nowadays than maybe it was when I was a little boy or when you were growing up. But 
the fact that you can write the questions and have a, a, a helper ask the questions and interpret it is one thing. But you've taken your podcast idea, your interviews, and you've turned that into a live show with some amazing people around you. How brave did you feel doing that? Or did you, did, what were your, what were your passions or emotions behind that? Because I think it's an immensely brave thing that you've done that, that could have opened it up to be difficult for you, um, but it didn't. I just think it was a natural evolution of the podcast. Yeah, if you just look around at all the other podcasts that are quite similar to mine, and you'll see that the next step that they've all taken is to take it on the road. I just wanted to see that, that I could do that and if I could do that. One of the earlier ideas and original ideas was to find the celebrities that have got like a natural connection to a local theatre near them. And uh, that would guarantee an audience and guarantee a good crowd to come in. And that's definitely something that I'll consider doing in the future. And that's really hard to um, organise from a geographical point of view. Because you're down in the Isle of Wight, obviously, which, I mean, you've got your own theatre down there, but it requires you to come across the mainland to do these. The other thing is that you were helped with one of my comedy heroes. Arthur Smith was on stage with you. Yeah, he did the first one. And I really loved doing that one because he is like a mastermind of comedy. And what it was, I knew that I could ask him absolutely anything and he would just be able to come up with an answer. Yeah, one of the frustrating things was with that show is I was sat in the audience and I would think of follow-up questions just to help clarify with what they were discussing on stage, but I knew I couldn't do that because I wasn't the one up on stage. So will you try and change the form of how you do it the next time based on your experience of the last? And is there a way that you can be more adaptive and ask follow-up questions in real time? Yeah, I think one of the things I'll do next time is I'll try and match the person who's asking the questions on my behalf to the actual person. And when do you hope to be able to do the next one? Because I know COVID got in the way as well. You were you were really just beginning to start on this when everything shut down. Well, I don't know if I should say this on here, but... Uh, so, but... <laughs> I thought you might talk about this, yeah. Uh, so... I had an idea for the next show and I'm not going to name names, but I feel as if somebody out there had stolen my idea. So that's made it really hard for me to look at doing any more at the current, in this current moment. Now we spoke about the people that you have interviewed and that a favorite one is too difficult to pick. Apart from the likes of the Bob Monkhouses and the like who've sadly passed, who's out there that you haven't interviewed yet that you want to? Oh, I really want to interview Michael McIntyre. And would he be your number one pick? Yeah. Just because of who his dad was. Ooh. Who? Okay, that's thrilled me. Who was, apart from being Mr. McIntyre, who was Michael McIntyre's dad? His dad. His dad was Ray Cameron, who wrote the entire Kenny Everett series with Barry Cryer. Oh, I never, I never knew that at all. That's that's really interesting. So McIntyre's obviously a stage name, or a, he's taken his mother's maiden name, or whatever. Yeah. Okay. So we've spoken about your interviews and the fact that you've obviously written the book, which I had a very strange experience by taking your book to the theatre in my hometown to take it backstage to give it to Ben Elton, who looked at me in Western Australia and said. 
How have you got Josh's book? He lives in the Isle of Wight and I live in Fremantle and it was all a bit bizarre and unusual. <laughs> it was great. And I got to meet Ben Hilton, which was very nice. He was a very nice man. But let's talk about, I mentioned it a little bit, let's talk about how you actually write your book. So how do you go about writing, given that obviously sitting down at a keyboard isn't really on the cards? So when I was younger, I, I had a range of switches that were mounted onto a bit of metal. I would have one four up and one four down. And about 12 mounts on this metal thing. So when my uh, schoolwork really took off, it was too slow. And uh, I found out I actually, the best way for me to communicate was to dictate to somebody. And that's what I did all the way through uni. So back in 2013, my carer at the time, had this iPad and he said, just as a joke, do, do you think you can use your nose on this? <laughs> it was then that I realized I could do everything. <laughs> and then I started using my phone a bit more and then I realized why don't I just buy an iPad? Well, I've got to be, and um, this is not meant to sound patronizing in the least, although it might come across as it. When you sent me the first draft of your biography adapted, where I was going to be the editor of it, I was probably biased that I imagined that I was going to get a manuscript that was relatively poorly laid out or written with lots of typos. Your manuscript came through with less typos than able-bodied people who are meant to be touch typists have sent me. So the discipline that you use to use an iPad is phenomenal, mate. You, you should really be quite impressed with yourself. Yeah. yeah, and I've got quicker over time, naturally, and because it used to save me hours to write anything. So if it's getting quicker, then when's your next book coming out? Which is what I want to know next. So when's the next one? It's whenever I can find some more celebrities who are willing to appear on Beyond the Title. So in the first Beyond the Title, there's about 40 interviews. How many are you thinking? Would you have the same number in the next book? Well. Yeah, the problem is we're, I'm currently doing everything on Zoom still. And as you know, there's only so much you can write about a Zoom interview. I don't envy you having to try and do interview transcripts and podcasts just all over Zoom because the way that I've seen from your interviews previously, you can get a lot more in depth when you're actually face to face with the person, can you? Mm. Yeah, in the summer, I was invited to Gabby Roslin's new show and at the show, I actually got to meet lots of different people, and it's just one of those things that you just, the opportunity you wouldn't get. Now, also, with regards to that, I saw the, I saw the interview that you'd done with Gabby and the photographs. Um, weirdly, just before we were setting up to meet today, I found out that one of our new authors, who's about to publish a children's illustrated book with us, is a relative of Joe Wiley. And you interviewed Joe Wiley just recently, didn't you? So obviously Joe's she was in love actually. She was Radio One, she's now Radio Two. So you're you're moving up to really modern day celebrities. Um what was Joe Wiley like as an icon of radio? I loved writing an interview for her because I'm so fascinated by the nineties. I think she loved going back and reflecting on that specific era. Uh, but... Because with people like her, it's all about the latest thing or the latest band. It's taken her back. She was actually in the centre of just pop culture and it was so interesting. Fantastic. Now, last question for you before we get on to 
the silly quickfire questions that we tape onto the end of this. Um, what advice would you have? Because you, you were this kid in the Isle of Wight, separated from the mainland. You have this idea about interviewing people who are absolute icons of the entertainment industry and write about them. If there's another kid somewhere else in the UK that's thinking about getting into this, what's your main bit of advice for them? I think you have to have a unique angle. You've got to have something that will just make the person think, oh, this is different. So what it is as well, when I meet someone for the first time and they meet me for the first time, they, they look at me and uh, they think it's some sort of make-a-wish situation. But uh, as soon as we sit down and I pose a question to them, it gets them thinking and then they start to take me seriously. <laughs> it's only you could have said that and got away with that. You know that? <laughs> <laughs> and he has... I have used that to my advantage before. <laughs> so, of course, the obvious question is, therefore, you know, why have you not decided to go for the Stephen Hawking type of voice box and stuff? Yeah, you could have an app on his iPad. <laughs> hey, listen, Josh, I really appreciate you taking the time out today to talk to us. But before we go, I've got these questions to ask you. What is your favourite book? <laughs> Radio Times Guide to Comedy. Well, that's fairly unique. We've had some answers that have been, you know, Lord of the Rings, etc. But I don't think anybody has ever chosen the Radio Times Guide to Comedy before. And I doubt very much anybody else ever will. <laughs> okay, so if you... Now, you might not have one of these, but if there is one, what's your least favourite book? Roland Barthes. Uh, uh, I have to read a lot of Roland Barthes at uni. That was like reading a foreign language. Creatively, then, what turns you on? That's a hard question. Because if it's non-fiction, then it's got to be a TV documentary. So uh, I watched the recent documentary, How the BBC Began, and that really captivated me. Oh, cool. And in general terms, what turns you off? What annoys Josh? What turns you off instantly? <laughs> I hate cheap entertainment and all that Love Island bollocks. <laughs> Tell me, are you a fan of Taskmaster? Yeah. I love it. Yeah, I love it. That is the right answer. Well done. Um, right. Summer or winter as a season for you? Winter. Winter. I love winter. Excellent. And in the Isle of Wight, I imagine it's quite winterish. I love to listen to the rain at night. Excellent stuff. So on a completely free day that you can do anything you want to do, who do you ideally spend it with? I'm a bit of a party animal. I love a good party. Yeah, I have seen the photographs on your Facebook page. Yes, I have seen um, now, I think I know the answer to this one, but I'll ask you anyway. Mountains or oceans? I walked up a mountain and that wasn't that fun, so I'll go with oceans. They're more oh, relaxing. <laughs> I see. See, I thought you were going to say mountains because I, I, I saw that in your autobiography about going all the way up. What was the name of that mountain? What mountain was that? Pyramid. 
Penny fan. Penny fan, which is no mean feat. That's not like a little pimple. That's that's a mountain. Yeah, and I still haven't recovered from that. This should be intriguing because it's not really in your genre, but what is your favourite movie? I should have a really in-depth, like, decent answer to that, but I really like the film Rat Race. (laughs) I thought you were going to come out with some absolute top-notch, real art style, you know, in-depth rat race. Okay, well, we'll go with rat race, that's fine. Um, (laughs) And this is another one that's going to be interesting. Um, what song, if you've only got one song to listen to for the rest of your life, what song? Uh, She's Alright by the Kooks. Okay. Uh, oh, She Moves in Her Own Way, sorry. Yeah. She Moves in Her Own Way by the Kooks. Yeah. Yeah, I've got no idea what that song is. I'll have to Google it later, so that'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll look it up on Spotify, it'll be fine. Um <laughs> I've asked this question of a lot of people and they tend to come up with an answer, but for you, it's going to be really difficult, I think. So I want one person who makes you out of all of the people who makes you laugh the most. I can't watch the Germans episode of Faulty Towers without crying with laughter. So we'll, we'll say please then. What smell do you love? Links Africa, or or petrol, or petrol, did you say? (laughs) Okay, well, I know some people that wouldn't be able to differentiate between those two, so there you go. (laughs) Um, What smell do you hate? All right, sick. Okay. Um, other than a writer, or indeed a professional interviewer, what profession would you like to have done? If I wasn't um, doing this and I wasn't disabled, then I think I'd be a stand-up comedian. And I think that you would make a fantastic stand-up comedian. Oh. And what profession would you not like to do? Toilet cleaner. And, last question then, if heaven exists... What would you like God to say when you get to the pearly gates? Rum is on tap. Rum is on tap. <laughs> nice work. And I would imagine that when you get to those pearly gates, there's going to be quite a lot of people that you have interviewed in the past standing waiting and giving you a round of applause. Oh, my friends call me the Grim Reaper. Why? Because some of the people that every time you interview them, they drop off the perch in a couple of months after. Yeah, pretty much. One of the things that I've been so impressed about is that the people that you've interviewed, I've seen them interviewed before on the Parkinson show and that type of thing, but you've captured those interviews and written those interviews down. And so they're on record now, not just for TV or radio, but they're actually... Um, there for researchers to go back to and see how they've been. So all those guys that have sadly passed on, you've got their words encapsulated and down in print forever, which I think is a, you should be congratulated for doing it because nobody else was doing it. So well done you. That's exactly what I wanted to do though. I wanted to collect a series of interviews that charted entertainment at a certain time. 
and you and you've achieved it brilliantly so listen thank you ever so much for your time today and thanks Ian too it's been great catching up and I hope everybody goes out and buys beyond the title anybody that's interested in entertainment or indeed anybody that just wants a good read cheers Josh cheers Ian hey thanks for listening to this latest episode of book realities our interviews with author series don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and turn your notifications on so that you never miss any content updates from us If you liked this episode, leave us a rating or a review as it really helps the podcast's visibility, as does passing the pod on to any writers or author friends that you may have who you know will be interested in it. And join our exclusive mailing list at www.bookreality.com. The next episode will be released this time next week, but until then, stay safe and well. All the best. (laughs)